Hello. I've been thinking, and to be honest, I'm not really sure what you would call this, so I guess for the time being, it's just therapy for me. Monday. I have left and right on my running socks. Um, they're not they're not Fisher Price. It's not it's not an issue I have with left and right. Um, the, I'm assuming it's something in the sock that moulds around each one of your foot, something to do with the support in the foot or something. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, I've got left and right on my running socks. Um, it, if you want some indication how my week started, it took me three goes to put those socks on and get them on the right feet. Now, that really shouldn't be possible. Um, two options, three goes, but that that kind of that kind of how was was how Monday started, and it got me thinking a little bit about running, and it got me a little bit thinking about how that's linked into to where I'm at at the moment. So, I've been running for um, ten years or so. Uh, I'm not a runner. I'm not the right shape for a runner. Um, I don't run particularly quickly. Um, but as somebody once said to me, if you run, you're a runner, and I run, so I'm a runner. Um, and, um, I thoroughly enjoy it. And I think what it does is, and what I didn't really realize how much it did was it gives me a kick to my day. Um, and it really helps me with other, other aspects of my life, even though you don't know it's going on, it's chugging there in the background, it's in your head, it's sorting itself out and, and it works. Um, and the reason for mentioning this was, um, I had an injury in October time. I had a problem with my knee. And uh, as I've mentioned, I'm stubborn and um, bloody-minded, and I just kept on going. I'll run through it. I'll run through it, not a problem. And, of course, you can't run through it, and it just ends up getting worse. And what ended up happening was I ended up... um, I ended up having to stop at the end of October. And that meant what turned out to be a month off. And so I didn't run much in November... Um, at all. In fact, I didn't run. I think I had one run in November. Um, through the course of November, I found myself struggling. Uh, I don't know whether it was because there was less light, and so the house was getting darker earlier, and the days felt more oppressive. I don't know um, whether it was just that particular point of the year, but I find myself sitting in the house, um, feeling very alone, um, feeling. Um, like everything was closing in and the days felt really long and I I went through days without talking to anybody. Um, And yet that had happened before. That wasn't anything new. I've worked off and on, worked at home in in my previous job for for years and had days like that. And it's, you know, and gone through the winters and what have you, never never been as much of a problem. But I found myself really struggling through November and I I, I didn't realise until... I put my finger on it that I had been struggling. So it's like these things you realise you're a little bit down after you've actually been down for quite a while. Um, and when I started running again in December, it then became really evident that the running was actually a part of it, that that little part of my day, that whatever that endorphin mix or whatever the chemicals are or whatever it is that kicks off in your body when you go out for that run, forgetting how fast you run, forgetting what you do, forgetting the fact that you look awful when you get back, has an effect on the rest of your day um, in a way you can only quantify when it's not there. 
Um, and there will be other factors in it. Even nothing, nothing's as simple or linear as that. But for whatever reason, that was the thing that I could put my finger on as being the difference. So when it takes me three goes to put my socks on, it's still worth it because the benefit that comes from going out and doing that thing is actually uh, it, it's something that you you only miss when it's not there. Tuesday. Tuesday was a big footballing day. I mentioned um, I'm a Sheffield United supporter and we're living the dream of the Premiership this year and uh, it's great because our name is being put in sentences with teams that it's not put in sentences uh, or has been put in sentences for quite a while. So Tuesday night we play Manchester City. Now, even with a fairly scant knowledge of football, you will know that Manchester City are one of those teams that gets talked about when you talk about the good teams. So um, they you know, had an incredible season last year, um, winning everything in sight, um, and and they come to Bramall Lane on, on Tuesday night. Um, um, I took, I took uh, my eldest and a mate of his and we watched the game and it was fantastic. And it's one, it's nil-nil uh, up until around about the 80th minute, late 70s, 80th minute. And then um, a guy called Kevin De Bruyne um, just puts a pass across um, the full, uh, across the defensive line, cuts the defence in literally into shreds with one ball. And another guy called Sergio Aguero just is on hand at the other end to tap the ball in the goal. And it was a really weird moment because it was such a simple way to unlock a game that had been really fiercely fought. Up until that point, uh, Sheffield United, my United, the United, had been uh, had been really disciplined and really organised and had absolutely taken the game to, um, to Man City. Um, and yet it took that one moment just to ultimately unlock that football match. Now, when you look back over the result and what have you, you'll forget all that. But on the in the moment on the day and when reflecting about it afterwards, um, what you get is you get two players there who are superstars. They're, they're amongst the best players in the world. And you're probably looking at four to 500 million quid to, to buy those two players if you wanted to buy them, maybe a bit less. I don't know. I'm not great on football money, but it's a, it's a big number. So when you're looking to unlock... A situation like that, when you what what changed that situation was a moment of magic from th- those two players, and that's the amount of money those moments of magic cost. If you if you if you ask why footballers cost the money they cost, it's because in those situations they just do that thing, and they do it in more than one game. Um, what was interesting about that was it made me think about something I'd heard years before, which was about racing drivers. And somebody was asked why a particular racing driver was the best in the world. And they plotted they plotted um, the way this guy drove and they looked and they overlaid it against racing drivers who were nowhere near in the same, in the same league. And what they found was um, that the driving line was the same. They all drove around the, the, the track in pretty much the same way. They took the, the, the same bends in the same places. They drove down the straights in the same way. And they do all the things identical. It wasn't that this guy had some magical insight into how to go around a, a racing track. What it turned out to be was really small increments. He just would break coming into a corner just a little bit later. And he would accelerate out of a bend 
just a little bit faster than the other drivers. And over the course of the race, that made the difference that put him so far ahead of everybody else. And it was a little bit like that watching these two footballers. They didn't do anything that any other player on that pitch couldn't have done. But in that moment when it needed to happen, they just delivered it. Now, there's two things you can take from that. One, um, you take from that and say, well, just some people are prodigiously talented. I'm not in that space, so I'm never going to be that person. And you could take that. You could look and say, actually, the, 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 the difference between absolute superstar and okay is actually finite. The other thing you can take from it, and this is the thing I prefer to take from it, is that my football team, who are very average in terms of money by comparison and is full of five and ten million pound players, and probably the whole team is not worth more than 50 million, my football team for 80 minutes and then for the remainder of the game went toe-to-toe. And they went toe-to-toe because... They were organised and they were disciplined and they played for each other. And they, to use one of my favourite and one of the only few things I ever say in terms of mantra, they were greater than the sum of the parts. So as much as I looked at Genius on Tuesday night and thought it was great and thought I'm never going to be in that space, I then thought, hang on a minute, I've been in loads of spaces where teams have delivered what my team delivered today by being greater than some of the parts. And I can't. I can't really say anything other than I was just so proud to be a Sheffield United fan. Wednesday. Something came about in a conversation on Wednesday that I really, really didn't know how to deal with. We were talking about a situation that's going on at home and uh, it's it's a problem that's been rumbling on and it's been rumbling on because the person at the centre of the problem didn't really want to deal with the potential conflict involved. Um, and... It was it was said to me, it was pointed in my direction, that wouldn't be a problem for you. You really like conflict. And I really didn't know how to deal with that. Um because it made me stop and think, am I oh okay, so am I am I aggressive? Am I am I do I do I go out looking for those moments or looking for a fight? And I I didn't think I didn't think I was. And in my head, I guess I thought, well yes, I I like creative conflict. Um, I like to challenge the people I'm with, be it at work or whatever it is that we're doing, to be better, to be the best we can be. So I'm quite happy to, you know, to say, right, okay, is that is that is that the best we can do? Can we maybe look at this a different way, or can we attack it from a different angle and see if we can't be better than we currently are, and let's see if we can possibly develop. And that's the way in my head I've always I've always thought that I acted and, and behaved and hopefully in a way that you know that that made other people strive to see if we 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 could actually improve on a situation but the way this the the sentence was delivered to me it made me think that that well that's not the way people maybe take you maybe they do just think that you just like tearing things up for the sake of tearing things up and you just like you know being there to be the person who's picking things apart or is just is just being the one who's going to be negative about something. And there might be something in it, um, though I'm embarrassed to say it. Oh, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I, I don't know if that's necessarily what what I was going for. But, um, but then I started thinking back to how, um, how last year went and how I um, found myself in a situation where 
you know, the relationships that I had at work were starting to, to, to fracture and then started thinking, wow, how much of that, how much of that was me? How much of that was my particular style and my, you know, my, my particular brand of charm that actually brought that about? Um, so I'm still struggling with how to take that particular statement and it was probably a throwaway statement from the person who made it and it probably wasn't meant with any of this in mind but it's really 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 stopped me in my tracks um and and it's something i'm gonna try and not necessarily do something about but maybe try and be a little bit more empathetic um in those in those moments school run this morning and I dropped um, my youngest off and because I hadn't really organised myself as well as I should have organised myself, we weren't exactly running to schedule, um, partly because of a second bowl of shreddies. I always get done for the second bowl of cereal thing that I don't expect. So the whole, are you ready to put your shoes on? Ready to get you out the door? Well, can I have another bowl of? And, and of course, you always fall for it because you don't want your kids to go to school hungry. And next thing you know, you're against it time-wise. Um, so took the car, dropped off, drove back. Driving back means coming up a, a hill. Um and the, and and then's and then the situation starts. So driving up the hill, guy coming down towards me, um, trying not to be sexist. Person coming down towards me, um, driving down. We're, you know, we're clearly not planning on stopping on the way down. There's cars on either side of the road. He's decided he's going. She's decided they're going. Fine, no problem. They're coming down. I'm waiting. I let that person go. Now, there's only one thing in that scenario. Well, firstly. It was actually my right of way. I'm sure if you're going up a hill, it's your right of way. But let's forget about that because most people ignore that one. I don't know what's worse, though I think I now know what's worse. I hate it when you don't get an acknowledgement when you do that. When you're courteous and you don't get an acknowledgement, that really winds me up. It winds me up when you open a door for somebody. It winds me up when you let somebody pass on a pavement. It winds the hell out of me. In fact, it happened... It happened... I have a, I have a theory that... Um, that that my and I talked to my mum about this. That my mum's generation, so that generation that is somewhere between sort of sixty and seventy five, eighty now, they're a really rude generation. Uh, and I apologise to those who are listening that are in that space. And now I've got rid of a. Actually, I don't know if I'm targeting that demographic, so you're fine. But my son, we were in a restaurant, and my son opened the door for uh, a group of people who were all I would have said somewhere between mid sixties to mid seventies, and. Um, and not one of them acknowledged him or thanked him because they just assumed it was their right to have a door open for them so they could walk through. And the problem there was if my son at that time, who was 10, had walked in front of them, then that would have caused a reaction. And we're not going to get kids to carry on being considerate and polite if we don't at the same time be considerate and polite back. So we've got the same situation going on this morning. Guy, guy person whoever comes down the hill and he does wave but he does that thing where you've got your hand on the steering wheel and you raise one finger and then you put it down again and there's no eye contact you raise one finger and you go and you put it back down now i don't i think i think that's worse than not waving at all and i hate not waving at all but i think there's something about 
the derisory rise of that finger and putting it back down that's almost insulting. Now, this could be an age thing for me because I'm 48 and, I, and, and these things do get to you and you, you, you can't let them go in the way you did. But that finger, that one finger up from the steering wheel, really? Can we not do something about that? Friday. Our, mo- our morning routine um, is is frenetic. It is the same as everybody else's morning routine. It is frenetic. You don't leave enough time. There isn't a moment. And if you do actually get up early and you leave enough time, you spend it. You spend it on doing something that isn't moving your day forward. So you will have a you'll have a drink and you'll sit and you'll just have a moment and then realize that you're running against time. So whatever happens at, at five minutes, ten minutes before you're due to leave the house, particularly if it's a collective effort. It's all hands to the pump, and it it goes wrong. What's been happening, as I've been finding myself spending time in the house on my own when the house has gone quiet, is that the house goes quiet more times than not at 8.08. And in my head, I've called this the 8.08 state. That was a band, I think, back in the days, 80s, 90s, whatever. I don't know why I put those two things together. So I've now got this 808 state because at 808, everything goes quiet and you have a moment and I have a moment where I normally, there's normally a a coffee or something and I normally, there's a particular chair that I sit in, um, you know, I'll go and sit in for two seconds and I'll take a deep breath and I will absolutely wallow in that quiet for that moment or what have you at 808. The problem is it's double-edged because by 809 or by 810, that quiet is needs to be filled because what I'm finding is that without some purpose to my day or something to concentrate my efforts on, then that quiet is really oppressive. So, the 808 state is it's a double-edged thing and it was a double-edged thing for me this morning because it's friday i said last week i'd record these on a friday i had to then you have to then do something after that because if not and and this is that whole thing about not being in a routine at the moment and having to generate my you know my own routine. And by the way, I apologise because this is really self indulgent, and everybody else and a lot of people out there listen to this and just saying, well, fuck off, I've got to go out to work, and you can just sit at home and watch Netflix. And I get that, I get that. I'm not disagreeing with you. You're absolutely right. I'm just saying there's a point in all of this where suddenly. There's, there's there's an oppressive, lonely moment. And in this house, it tends to be about 11 minutes past eight on most days, Monday through Friday. Not the same at the weekend, but Monday through Friday, the moment I don't look forward to is is 8.11. Um, I don't want to... <laughs> seems a bit of a downer to leave it. I didn't want to leave it on a downer. So sorry about that. Um, but as I said, this is just... This is just me talking about what's going on with me so it is what it is on any on any given day um thank you to everybody who's listened so far there have been far more people listen than i kind of thought there would and i hope there's something in this that you'd take with you and i'm certainly going to carry on doing it because it really is it, it really is helping me but thank you very much i'm you'd have noticed that i put a short stories on the um 
on on the, the the podcast as being kind of the person behind the podcast or the thing behind the podcast. Uh, a short stories has a Twitter handle uh, and a short stories has a um, Instagram feed. So if you want to know a little bit more about what's going on, updates for the podcast, uh, and odd bits and pieces, in, including in, in, including a picture of my left and right socks and uh, and and my shelf uh, and other things that might come along. Uh, then please look out for those two things on Instagram and Twitter. So eight short stories on Twitter and eight short stories on, on on Instagram. The Instagram I haven't put anything on yet, but I'll start. The eight short stories have got a couple of bits, but I'll start putting a few more things on there. So if you fancy it, please um, please follow those. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're enjoying if you're enjoying it. Uh, and I'd welcome any feedback from from anybody out there. But but thanks for all those people who've taken the the, the bit of time to listen so far. And I will see you next week. Subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.